You're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Hey, everybody. Jeff here. And today I speak with Caitlin McIntyre and Jennifer Liu from Houston, Texas. Jennifer is a life coach and a wedding officiant, and Caitlin stays at home to take care of their four-year-old son. It's my pleasure to welcome them to the show. Caitlin, Jennifer, thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, so I understand in doing my research that the two of you met on a bus, (laughs) but it wasn't just an average bus. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we met on the Equality Ride, which was a national bus tour. So I was actually the director of the ride that year. I had participated a year, two years prior, uh, and Jennifer was one of the participants. Mildly scandalous, but also good. A little scandalous, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> All the way good. Uh, Jennifer was in the middle of a drought, a long drought. Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> Yep, I hadn't been with anybody. So I, I only do relationships. I don't do anything but relationships, monogamous relationships. Um, so yeah, I hadn't dated anybody for six years. And um, yeah, it was kind of weird. It wasn't necessarily by choice. It just, I was open to it or I felt like I was open to it, but it wasn't happening. Um, and, and then in general, my life felt kind of boring. So then I applied for this thing called the Equality Ride. And I was at a point in my life where I didn't want to ever be in a relationship. <laughs> and I only wanted to have a lot of sex with strangers. Um, but then I met Jennifer on the ride and I don't even have a conscious like memory of doing it or starting it, but I started to pretty aggressively pursue her. Yeah. And that, that I knew that about her. I mean, Kate is pretty, uh, you know, she's Kate, you, you see what you get is what you, what you see is what you get. She's authentic and open. Oh, extra open. Did I say open? She's open. <laughs> so I knew, everyone knew. Everyone knew that that's where she was. She just was looking to have fun and have sex and whatever. And that was like the opposite of me as a human. And so um, that's what we worked out a lot, I think, at the beginning was I just kept she she I mean, it was pretty clear she was pursuing me. And I just that said, I mean, I think you're amazing, but I don't. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure this is what you want? And um, it was. It was. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I don't know if it was a conscious thing. I don't know what changed for you, but. When you got a one in a million girl, you can't <laughs> let her get away. <laughs> so so that our listeners have a little more context, you're on this bus and you're visiting yeah. Christian colleges and universities. And tell us what you did uh, during that. So we'll kind of understand the background in which you met. Yeah. So it's kind of a traumatic situation. Um, Basically, you're going to these places where everyone thinks that being queer is a sin and you're going straight to hell. So we try to purposefully go to these people and have conversations. Uh, The idea is nonviolent dialogue. And I don't know if I would do it the same way now that I've done it already. But at the time, we were trying to just talk to people and just have them meet us and say like maybe you've never met an actual queer person before maybe you've never met a gay person before maybe you've never met a trans person before and like these are our real lives and jennifer was really good at getting people on board with the lesbian dates and 
Well, so yeah, so like like he said, it's a lot of these schools that have these policies on the books are Christian. And so there are some people on the ride, you know, who who were really religious and knew the Bible really well. And that was kind of the tack they took. Um, I don't, I didn't, I still don't. And so my, you know, I just went in there, it was myself. And yeah, there, there's one situation in particular I really remember. I just was, I don't know, I was just talking about Kate and how much I was into her and how much um, I wanted to, like, not impress her, but just have a good time with her on the ride. And I literally, by the end of this visit, had like five deeply Christian girls like giving me ideas and like helping me with how to um dating tips yeah basically I mean (laughs) yeah I mean I don't I didn't need any dating tips from these women but um, (laughs) but you know they were they I by the end they were really excited about our relationship um and that's yeah I am good at that I'm just good at relating to people as people so it's a really intense situation and yes. you don't really get a break and you don't have any alone time because you're sleeping four to a room and <laughs> there's negotiations for like 20 minutes of alone time. And it's just like a really accelerated kind of intense process. And so it was a two month ride. And right after the two month ride, I moved in to Jennifer's house, which is very lesbian stereotype yeah Um, but but it worked out and it kind of felt like we'd been together for longer than that and shorter than that just because it's so whirlwind but also like so intense so you're really getting a lot of extra so emotional support and emotional experiences and just drama um all kind of rolled into this really short period of time yeah and supporting each other through the really difficult you know like can't use the word traumatic I mean yeah it was it was really hard a lot um and and like she said we're together 24 7 I'll add to before the ride I mean they don't just like put you on the bus and say good luck um we had (laughs) two training weeks right we had a training week like weeks before so and then that was you know equal okay we weren't like talking to these people yet who you know wanted us to go to hell and who by the way are very nice about telling you that they think that about you um but we were doing these really intensive trainings where it was like all these, these concepts that are just kind of blowing your mind and blowing your soul and you're doing it that all together too. So that happened too. I mean, and, and quite frankly, that's when she started pursuing me. She did not waste any time. No time. She didn't wait for no the No time wasted. Yeah. There was a marriage proposal. Right. <laughs> so Caitlin, you were young and around a lot of other young people, um, a lot of other women. What was it that you saw during the training weeks and Jennifer that told you, I really want to see if I can uh, make this work. I don't know. She's good question. (laughs) She's just really something special. I just always felt really drawn to her and uh, almost just without even thinking about it, just wanted to be around her. And I thought she was so funny and she thought I was funny and we just really, got along well and I just really enjoyed being with her and I knew the way that she's like super romantic super monogamous super not what I was at the time but I just thought this is not something that I'm gonna let get away like I and I just want to see where it goes so I'm not I want to try and see and so I was kind of all in for just going for it and seeing where it takes us uh but I didn't want to let someone who I just enjoyed so much and who I really liked spending time with and being with get away. Um, there was a few things there. So one, um, I, it took me a while. I mean, I guess, you know, being in a six year drought, you just kind of, you're, 
your radar for things is a little off. So I, I, it did actually take me a while to even realize she was pursuing me. She, you know, the thing about her is that she's really affectionate. So she's, you know, doing things like sitting on people's laps across the board, right? Like not consensually, consensually, but like she didn't discriminate there. She just was very love, like hug, like, yeah, affectionate, physically affectionate. So it did take me a while to figure that out. Um, someone actually had another person just told me flat out and I thought, oh, okay, this is happening. Um, and then the other thing she said to, yeah, or the thing about me is that I'm so monogamous, but like, even in the leading up stages to a relationship, am I monogamous? So when I started the ride, I actually had a crush on someone else and yeah, like it, it was, nothing had really gone anywhere, but I had, I was like, I mean, I would say actively pursuing this other person. So when, yeah, I remember it, it was, we were in a training week, we were in one of the training weeks and I'm the kind of, you know, I'm a life coach. So I was sitting there in this group and I said, Hey everybody, you know, like there was this moment where I told them that I was pursuing this other person. And just to say like, if y'all could get your good vibes going my way, get the universe helping me out. And it's really funny because, you know, Kate will tell me now that in that moment, <laughs> when I said that she took that as a challenge <laughs> and she said, Listen, I don't know who this other person is, but they're not going to win this. I'm Caitlin McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, girl. Yeah, exactly. It was so perfect. But anyway, so that was, yeah. So I would say there was resistance and that's where it came from. I, we, the, the big moment, you know, the day that I, you know, kissed a woman and it ended up being Caitlin McIntyre for the first time in six years was this day that I decided to just talk to Kate about it. And I just, it was you know, and I, I'm like so serious about it, you know, so that the thing that Kate said about just being really in the moment and being present and just her attitude being, oh, I, I just want to see, I, I at least want to try, I want to see where this goes. And I don't have, you know, we don't have to think about like, after the ride, even, I just want to, I just know that I want to be around you now. That's basically the kind of the talk she told me. So I went in there with my, you know, furrowed brow, and I'm all serious. And I'm like, well, listen, you know, I, I, I had my eye on this other woman and you're so amazing. And I don't even, you know, I, you don't deserve to be second to anybody. And I don't even know what to do right now. And also this ride is so short and blah, blah, blah. And you live in Austin and I live in Virginia and all this stuff. And she literally just cut through all of that just with, with one line and was just like, listen, I, I like you and I want to be around you. And that's what I want to do for this trip. I want to be around you. So that's really yeah, I think I said, well, we have two months. Right. So let's just be together for t- like be together for two months and see what happens there. And it was like, you know, all yeah, it was like letting it was like all the pent up weird air that I would pumped into myself in, in freaking out just kind of all went away. And I thought, well, all right, let's do that. <laughs> and, you know, now it's eight years later. Wow. Well, so leading up to the ride, tell me a little bit about your coming out experiences and how they were similar and different. They're completely (laughs) not at all the same. I didn't even ever come out. Um, I thought I was straight for most of my life. My dad's gay and is never like a taboo thing, but I was mostly into men and that's mostly who I had experience with. And then I, like, sort of decided that I wanted to really explore the parts of myself that I hadn't had a chance to, and my sexuality, and queerness, and um, I sort of just evolved into that, and being intentional about thinking about my interactions, and 
um, started thinking of myself as queer and like seeking out queerness and um, but I never came out at all. I just was like, oh, I'm seeing this girl. Like we're moving in together. Like, that's kind of what it was. Um, it's like such a non-issue. Like when I was like in my exploration phase, my mom was like, are you sure that you're not into girls? Like, how do you know unless you try it? The, the complete opposite kind of situation that most people have, but my family is very queer and, um, so for us, it was, for me, it was a non-issue. Um, I just had space to decide what I wanted to, what words I wanted to use and who I wanted to be with. And it was just like whoever I end up bringing home or whatever I end up doing was just a non-issue in my family. Yeah. And then to provide more context there, her family wasn't even freaked out by the, I'm moving in with a girl after two months. <laughs> uh, her sister and her mom were like, oh, I guess we should meet her. <laughs> so they they each separately met us at a different stop on the on the ride, which was nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so it I just love that I love Kate so bad. I love hearing her talk about that, and it is completely opposite to what I went through. So I, um, you know, not in the moment, but looking back on my even my childhood and then into of course like middle school and stuff like that. I I was so gay, <laughs> uh, just so gay from the very beginning of my life. I I always tell Kate I. When I was, I don't know, maybe like seven or something like that, I remember like when I would have imaginative play being the person who was like being with the princess. Like I didn't necessarily look, think of myself as the prince or anything, but I just, yeah, I was always with a princess. <laughs> um, Worked out for you. Yeah. So anyway, Yeah, your so, fantasy came true. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so my, yeah, my journey was just that I fell in love with a girl when I was 15 in high school. Um, it was pretty awful and traumatic, uh, once our families found out because they inevitably did and, you know, forbidden to see her, all that kind of stuff. That relationship continued on and off actually even into college and then, uh, dated a woman in college. And then after that, it was the six year drought for whatever reason. I don't question the universe. Just let it happen. Um, to an extent. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, so my, yeah, my coming out was them finding out it being really bad. Like they sent me to therapy and things like that um and then but then I did I, I, I did get to have my own like coming out thing so uh once I was independent and didn't rely on them for anything no money no shelter no, nothing like that I think I was 24 um it, it was just a thing where I they knew but no one ever talked about it you know no one ever even asked me if I was dating a guy or anything like that um and I sat them down sat my parents down completely terrified because we don't talk in my family about anything really and said it and it was amazing and awful and all of the things it was lots of tears and um but whatever it happened um but I wasn't dating anybody at the time and I do remember thinking to myself you know I'm gonna tell my mom this and she's just gonna forget it like tomorrow she's gonna ask me where my boyfriend is. <laughs> um but I did have a consciousness that it wouldn't really be real to them until I brought a woman home um and I did wish that I in that moment could have done that like just came out to them and then be like now here's my girlfriend who's waiting in the car this whole time um <laughs> but I didn't have that and so um yeah that yeah I mean that was when I was 24 it was like six years later that I brought Kate home yeah um and that's that's been good actually yeah. my I and I also had a sense of that so I've got six siblings and I kind of knew and they're five of them are older and I had that consciousness too I thought you know um I'm I think that if they just all act normal around my woman <laughs> 
uh, then my mom kind of will just get on board regardless of what she's feeling and thinking. And that's what's happened. Right. Kate she's always, not joining PFLAG, but she's fine. Yeah. yeah. Kate, Kate's always saying that if she uh, if she were a man, she would be the favorite spouse by Definitely. far. Definitely. <laughs> uh. And yes, I did come out to all of my siblings separately, and it was all traumatic in their own special ways. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with me. So now we're back on the bus and, you know, most people go to a movie on the first date or a dinner (laughs) or maybe dancing and then do something on the second. You all just had one two month extended long (laughs) date, right? Oh, private time. Yeah. Yeah. With two other people in your room. (laughs) Yes. A lot of negotiations. Our first time. kiss was in a stairwell of a hotel in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you you got to tell me that story. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'd been, we'd been like really close to sealing the deal. And I but decided. It that was the same day. It was the same day. That we, we had that talk. Yeah, yeah. We started that day. I, I woke up and I said, I'm going to talk to Caitlin. And we had that talk. And then she calmed me down. Yeah. Um, and then and I thought. I think she's on board, but just to seal the deal, let's go in the hot tub. I have a really cute bikini. (laughs) Uh, So we did that. And then we came back to the room that we're sharing with two other people. And Jennifer kissed me for like a second. And then someone came out and was like, oh, we were like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) this is terrible. We just want to be alone for like three seconds. We just left the room and this little like heritage in or something in Alabama. And we went into the stairwell and hoped no one came down and just made out for a while. Yep. But it was great. But it's it was kind of all stolen moments and yeah. hey, you guys can have 20 minutes alone in here. We can have 20 minutes alone in here. <laughs> 20 minutes is not a very long time. So right. it was just nice when we finally had our own place to just be alone all the time. We kind of hermited for a little while. <laughs> it was great. Wow. And so uh, tell me a little bit more. You get off the bus, the equality rides over. I heard you say you moved in right away. Yeah, I had already uh, decided to leave the job um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, And so my stuff, I had driven it to New Jersey where my mom lived. And um, then I was just going to go back to my mom's and figure out where I was going to go next. Uh, but then I met Jennifer, and she lived um, just outside of D.C. in Alexandria, Virginia, and she had a condo. And I was like, oh, I'll just move in there. <laughs> so uh, she actually had a trip planned to Vietnam right after we got back. Oh. So I moved my things into her house while she was gone and set up, set it all up, bought new bedding. Because yeah, I can add a little some... bit of a tragic interior design situation yeah, in I was there. Gonna say, I was going <laughs> to add that color commentary if Caitlin had it. She was horrified by my condo. So when I got back, it looked a lot nicer. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, she came back and I was there and started our lives. Yep. Jennifer, was that difficult for you after a six-year drought? Uh, that's uh, You moved pretty fast to let her move right in and redecorate your place. No, it wasn't hard at all. Good. It was great. It was awesome. And, you know, the, another element, too, I would add. So Caitlin had never been in a relationship at all. No. Before me, uh, you know, I'm her one and only. So it, it was kind of a similar, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, it's not like after six years, I like reset or anything. But that was another thing that we were, I think we worked through. I think Caitlin had a little, like a, maybe like, this is how Caitlin operates. She has like five minutes of an issue and then she just figures it out and then moves forth all the better. 
so there was a little bit of time where she, you know, she did have those thoughts, I think. Of, I mean, I can let you speak to it, but of like, oh, I've never been in a relationship before. Do I know how to do this? And then I think she just kind of realized that. I know how to do things. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm a normal person. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, what I was going to say <laughs> was that I think she figured out that even people who've been in relationships before aren't experts necessarily. You know, they're, we're all just figuring it out. And, and each relationship is different with, you know, depending on the person, so. Yeah, there was a little bit of an adjustment because we're like completely different people and yeah. uh, just getting used to, like Jennifer had to get used to the fact that I have kind of like rage attacks mm-hmm. where not at people, but just in general. And it, she's a fixer. So she tried to be like, try this. And I was like, I'm mad right now. <laughs> uh, but she caught on pretty quick. I think she was yeah. a little alarmed at first. I yes I was but yeah stuff like that just like the, the 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 things that I think most people deal with of just figuring out how they are together you know living together and building a life together and building a family together and all sure I would like to come back to your differences and similarities but tell me how you decided to become parents and tell me that story yeah so I've wanted to be have a baby basically since I was born <laughs> I asked for a baby for Christmas for like 10 years in a row. My mom was like, my tubes are tied. It's not happening. Uh, and so I've wanted a baby forever. And I knew I wanted babies right away. And so when we were first, this is like a week into us being together, we're like talking about <laughs> children. Because again, warp speed. I'm like, probably two years. Like, how about that? And she was like, cool. I knew that I definitely wanted them. And so... About, like, a year and a half after we've been together, we started, like, talking about seriously um, getting started on that. And we had a lot of challenges, so it took about a year and a half or two years after we decided to have a baby to actually have a baby. Um, Because we wanted to use a known donor, and we had a known donor, and then we had to switch known donors. And I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, so I don't ovulate very easily. So it was just a lot of work to try to get all the moving parts working. And, uh, but we, we knew we wanted kiddos right away and we want another one who we're working on that now, but yeah. You are. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is exciting. It's exciting and difficult because it's, yeah, we're working on it. Well, tell me about (laughs) your little guy and what it's like to parent him. I mean, I don't, there aren't any words to describe how awesome it is. I, and I will say, Kate and I, you know, you hear this a lot. So I'm a wedding officiant. I get every, every couple I um, officiate for, I get their story. So I've heard, you know, 150-ish story, like love stories. Um, and there's, it's common that there people are like, oh, we make a great team. Um, but Kate and I really do make a great team. So we, we are those annoying parents who like, literally in Rafferty's first year thought to ourselves like this was not that hard we just really love it (laughs) that's really it we just really love it so um I don't know I guess the thing I can say is that one of the things I said to Kate really early on is that something you hear a lot from aunties or whatever it is is they'll say oh I love spending time with this little kid but I'm really glad that I can give him back to the parents at the end of the day and then go take a nap um and and the really thing I was like I was flooded with this feeling after being with Rafferty of, I would, like, I, I feel so lucky to not have to give him to anybody else. I feel so lucky that he's ours. I feel so lucky that 
I get to spend the whole day with him and then fall asleep next to him and then wake up next to him. It's, um, it's been awesome. He's, and then like, I don't know, now he's four. So we've had all these, you know, he's almost five. He was a baby and then he was a toddler. And now he's like, we're dealing with the fact that he's like a boy. Um, and you know, we're always trying to tell him not to grow and he won't listen. So, (laughs) uh, it's been amazing. Yeah. He's delightful. We love, we all love each other very much, us three. Yeah, and we, Jennifer and I make a good team, and we make a good team with Rafferty. Yeah. Like, we're a good team together. Have there been any times in which parenting sort of challenged or threatened your relationship, or has it been just completely a bonding experience? I don't think we've ever had, we're really on the same page about parenting, and we talked about it a lot before uh, we had Rafferty, so there wasn't really... Like we, we both had the shared values about what we wanted to do with him and how we wanted to parent. And so there's been very little disagreements and we also like our team, but we also, we don't really do the United front thing. Like we're willing to just discuss. So like if he asked one of us and then he asked the other one and one of us thinks it's okay, like we'll just have a discussion. So there's not kind, there's not really like that kind of pressure to like always agree on everything it's okay for us to disagree and we'll just discuss it as a family and uh but we do have like a really strong foundation for the things that we believe in and we established that before he came which I think was really helpful so there's no figuring it out once we already have this person that we're responsible for we already know um what our values are in parenting and how we want to treat him and how we want to treat each other yeah. Yeah. I would say unequivocally, it's not been a strain on our relationship at all. It's been a bonding experience. For sure. Well, and doing my research, I um, realized that the two of you, it's very important. You talked about shared values, Caitlin. You spend a lot of time teaching Rafferty about racism and consent and social justice. Tell me about those values and how you teach him those things. Yeah. So, we he tells us he's a boy and that he's pretty sure that he's going to be a man Uh, and so obviously on our minds is consent and is uh the fact that we've both lived in the world as women and we know that a lot of times what it's like to live in the world as women um and we want to make sure that he's really aware uh, he's a good partner that he's a good person um and so we're just really intentional about especially it starts off with his own body. So we don't do things to him without his consent uh, unless they're like medically necessary or like an emergency. We've always talked to him since he was a baby about what's going to happen to him, about what we're doing. Um, we're really careful about that. First and foremost, we, we really want him to know that like his body belongs to him and because his body belongs to him, everyone else's body belongs to them. Um, and we're just really intentional about that in his play with his friends and with the language that we use when we're talking about things. Um, we've always been really open about race and racism. I do um, anti-racist organizing. So he's come to a lot of rallies. He's come to a lot of uh, different events with us. And we talk very frankly about what they're for. Um, we we do talk in age-appropriate terms, but I don't think that age-appropriate terms means that you don't tell the whole story. Um, I think that there's a lot, he can have a lot of magic in childhood and still know what the world is really like. So we don't really pull any punches on that. Uh, We talk about 
basically everything with him openly. Uh, and if he has any questions, we answer them and we try to give him as much information as he needs to really have a grasp on the things that are important to our family. Um, and we try to take him to rallies and take him to marches and read him books that are social justice oriented and just do as much as we can to make sure that these things are always a part of what he's thinking about, that they're not an afterthought, that they're ingrained in um, his world and his worldview from, from a baby from birth. Wow. We're almost at the end of our time, but in your relationship so far and being co-parents together, what would advice would you give to other couples, especially other LGBT or queer couples, about relationships and how to keep them strong and healthy? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, remembering to be kind. Uh, that's just always really stuck with me. I don't, I don't, I think that Kate and I talked about it and some, you know, sometimes you go to, I go to a baby shower and they have a scrapbook and they say, give advice to the couple. And I think that's what I always write, but I really think that that's important. You know, sometimes you feel whatever you're grumpy, whatever it is, you feel mean. I mean, I, I know I can get mean. Um, and so just to remember to not do that to, to, to your, to your partner, I think is a really big thing. Yeah. And I think like remembering to be delighted by each other. And remembering to be delighted by your child. I think that a lot of times there's so many things that we're doing that we get caught up in that we forget that, like, we really like this person. And, like, we really find this person delightful. And we've always told each other, like, I like you and I love you. Um, yeah. Because I think that it's important to, like, yes, of course, I love you with my whole heart. And, like, of course I do. But I also really like you. And I like to be around you. And it makes it a lot easier to put up with things that are, maybe quirks or maybe challenging for you like you know jennifer is a lot slower moving at things than me and a lot more intentional and like that could like make me bananas but instead i'm like this is just who she is and it's adorable and it's lovely and not to say that like sometimes things that we do to each other don't get aggravating but i think just to remember that like you love like you like that person like you like them and you find them delightful and just remembering to keep that at the forefront of your mind and not letting that get lost in like the day-to-day -day drudgery and slog of everything that has to be. Done. I like you and I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin, Jennifer, thank you so much for spending some time with me on the show. It's been just delightful to talk to you today. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Thank it was you, great Jeff. to talk to you. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them, so please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, and have a great week.